0: Hey, let's dive in this morning. Part four of this series, Hey God. Hey God, I have a question. And we've just been dealing over the last few weeks with some of the the questions that we struggle with and wrestle with and aren't the easiest questions to ask. But I think they're some of the the most life-giving as we've just talked through just key areas of our life. And I want to take this one step further. If you missed out on any of those three weeks, feel free to jump on YouTube or our website and catch up with where we're at in this series. But today I want to continue... With this question, hey, God, how do I build a strong family? How do I build a strong family? I am going to spend a few minutes talking to families. And I want to preface this because I realize when I I ask that question and talk uh, about families, I realize that there's people in different seasons of your life. Some of your kids are gone and grown. Uh, There's people that are single in the room. There, There are people that are married in the room. There are people that are married in the room that wish they were single. Right, you know, it's just, I mean, we're, we're all here today in our mess and in our dysfunction. There's people with kids, there's those wanting kids, there's those wishing that they were gone. You know, and like there's all, all situations and, and of our life and of our family dynamic. And, and whatever, wherever you find yourself today, I know God has something for you. I realize this is family is so, so challenging. And if there's one area the enemy is working in our life to destroy... It's the family Uh, because our culture, our society, our schools, our churches, everything is built on the foundation and the strength of our family. But it's so tough to build a strong family when you realize that we are so different. I mean, just think about your spouse for a second. Think about your kids. Isn't it amazing how God brings people together that are so opposite and the things that you thought were so cute when you're dating. Did you hear that laugh in the room? That was my wife right there. That's right. She was laughing at me. Don't miss out on that moment right there. She, because all those things that she loved about me we were dating, they, they become a nuisance and an aggravation in marriage. And, and that God, he brings people together that are so different. And I could go on and on about this this morning, but let me just give you one illustration. Let's just talk about shower products for a moment, all right? (laughs) Guys, it's so simple. A bottle of shampoo and a bar of soap. That's all we need, fellas. That's all we need. And and you know, if we're being creative and we're trying to take it to a whole other level, we go with body wash, you know what I'm saying? We just want to spice it up. Shampoo and, and, and soap, that's all we need. Ladies, could we talk for a second? 18 stinking bottles in the shower. Why? 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 I, I mean, it is unbelievable. You have the regular shampoo and the regular conditioner. Here's the deal, as I started looking into this and realizing how crazy this is, like you have to have an extra uh, line item in the budget just for hair care products for your spouse. No joke, you've got the regular stuff, but then you've got the moisturizing conditioner. Then you've got the deep moisturizing conditioner, which is different from the regular. You've got the Brazilian keratin shampoo. You've got the Moroccan infused shampoo. Oh, we're not stopped. Listen, I'm just getting going. I'm just, I'm just getting warmed up up here. All right, and I'm preaching real good. You've got the color repair conditioner, and for those days that are over the top difficult, you've got the aromatherapy stress relief shampoo. Come on, I'm not done. I'm not done because then there's days where you don't even feel like taking a sh- you don't even want to wash your hair and they have created a product just for you. It's called dry shampoo. Come on. Listen. And you don't even you you don't want to take a shower? Fine. You just spray this stuff in your hair and magically you look like all is well in your life. Come on. I'm just going to stop right there, okay? Listen. I don't know. I'm not going to confess to where I've collected my data this week, but I've done good research, everybody, okay? (laughs) Babe, I love you so much. (laughs) We are so different. And how do we build a strong family that nurtures and cares and loves and and grows together when when it's so hard to understand each other? I think God has some answers to it. I want to look today, I want to give you some practical stuff, I want you to lean in. Let's take notes together, This stuff that I'm growing in, i tell you I have not arrived, but I believe together that God wants to strengthen us, to grow us, to make us more like him, and make our family strong. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3 says this, It takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. No matter what kind of house you got, no matter what kind of cars you drive, no matter where your kids go to school, he says this, it takes wisdom. It takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. I want to I begin with Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This verse is foundational to what we do in our kids' environment every, every week. One of the teams that we've built is called Team 252. It's for for fourth and fifth graders that have a heart to lead and make a difference, even in kids' environment. And we structure this so that we help our fourth and fifth graders understand that you don't have to be 20 to make a difference in the kingdom of God. You can make a difference right now. I I walked over there this morning. My my bud, my boy, he's in fourth grade. He's so excited about serving. And I I said, how's it going? He said, I have served so hard. Dad, could I please have a donut? (laughs) I mean, he just... I'm not sure if he's got the right heart in this Team 252 thing or not, but but we build this whole program on this idea. Look what it says. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And that's why it's not just for children, but it's for us to understand this, that, that we grow Not just physically, but we grow in wisdom, and then we grow in favor with God and with men. It's the foundation for who we are as believers and as families. Let let me ask you today, if you were just to take inventory of the culture of your family, how would you describe the way you are? The way you communicate with your spouse. The way you communicate with your kids. If somebody were to step in and just kind of do an evaluation, maybe if you just invited Jesus to do inventory of your family, how would you describe the culture of your home? Culture is simply this, the habits, practices, and values that make our family who we are. Would you use language like loving, fun, welcoming, forgiving, peaceful, restful? Would you use language... Like this, maybe, maybe tense, stressful, rigid, detached, your ship's in the night, you're kind of keeping up, but your, your heart and your mind are in a different place. Would, would you describe your family culture as goal-oriented, faith-filled, servant-hearted, compassionate? Just, just take some inventory for a moment. I'm not going to preach or shout you down this morning, but I believe this. God wants to change who we are as a family, and it starts with how we are. It it starts with our culture, and I believe one of the best ways we can reshape the culture of our home is just by simply saying, Jesus, I want to invite you. I want to invite you into our home. I want to invite you to fill every space. I love when families build a home, and they take time to write scriptures and inside the walls, and on the drywall and on their foundation. It's like, Jesus, we invite you in, into the very foundation of who we are, invite you into our bedroom. Taking time to say, Jesus, ha- have your way in our home. Let the things that we talk about and the things that we say. It's amazing how we think about Jesus being in the, in the room with us, how it changes the way we act. You know, I heard a story about a burglar who stalked a neighborhood waiting for families to leave on vacation. He watched as a family loaded their suitcases into their car and departed. He waited until dark and then approached the front door and rang the bell. There was no answer. The burglar neatly picked the lock and let himself in. He called into the darkness, is anybody home? He was stunned when he heard a voice in reply, I see you and Jesus sees you. Terrified, the burglar called out, who's there? Again, the voice came back. I see you, and Jesus sees you. The burglar swished on his flashlight and aimed in the direction of the voice. He was instantly relieved when the light revealed a caged parrot reciting the refrain. I see you, and Jesus sees you. The burglar laughed out loud and swished on the lights. Then he saw beneath the parrot's cage was a huge Doberman pincher. (laughs) Then the parrot said, attack, Jesus, attack. Come on. That's good right there. Listen, it changes everything when you know that Jesus sees you. It changes the environment of your home when you know that Jesus is with you, that, that he's in the room, that he's looking out and he, he's wondering, what, what is the culture like of our home? I think there's three things that really affect the culture and shape the culture of our homes. If you're taking notes, number one is this, It's environment. It's environment. Environment, everybody, is so powerful to, to the culture. You know, when I think about environment, I think about what Starbucks has done with their business. Isn't it amazing? What, what you're buying when you go to Starbucks is more than a coffee. You are buying a feeling. You, you are buying a sensation of being in this intoxicating room that smells all like coffee and it's got just enough couches and just enough chairs and is busy enough but there's space and and it feels just right the reason you don't pay as much for a coffee at mcdonald's is because the environment's different they've they've so structured their business in a way that you would actually want to go in and spend five bucks on a drink they should just rename it instead of starbucks it's called five bucks you know what i'm saying it's just five dollars every time and, and the environment invites you in. Environment is so powerful to our families, everybody. When I, when I think about the environment that God created for the first two humans, Adam and Eve, I noticed this. Before they were sent in the room, it's not in your notes, but there were four things in Eden. There were four things in Genesis chapter 1 that Adam and Eve experienced. Number one, they experienced intimacy with God. There was acceptance, there was identity, there was security, and there was purpose. Not only was there intimacy, there was equal partnership. There was, before there was sin, you see, God didn't actually put man, it it doesn't say about man ruling over his wife until Genesis chapter 2 after they sinned. He put them in equal partnership. Not only was there equal partnership, but there was three common purposes. They would have dominion over the animals. They would work together. They would be fruitful and multiply. And then number four, there was total nakedness. Come on, somebody. Some of you just woke up. You're like, hey, what's he talking about? There, there, there There was total nakedness without fear and shame. But as soon as there was sin, it completely changed. The environment changed. When sin entered the world, there was broken intimacy. There was dominance. There was divided purpose. And there was fear of exposure. Think about what sin has done to our relationships, everybody. As, as a matter of fact, the first feeling that man ever felt was fear. What did they do? As soon as they sinned, they, they ran and hit. God comes running into the garden. Where, where are you? Fear, it's, it's, it's the emotion where there's a lack of trust, where there's a lack of safety. Let me ask you, is, is the environment of your home a place where we trust each other? where we believe the best about each other, where there's intimacy, where there's healing, where we're restoring relationships. Environment is so huge. Number two, it's leadership. It's leadership. You say, well, I'm not a leader. Let me tell you, man, if we're parents, we're leaders. Our kids are following our example. And there's three things I think that we have to be careful to do when it comes to to leading our home. Number one, we model behavior. We monitor behavior and we mold behavior. I'm giving you quite a bit of content this morning that's not in our nose, but, but hang with me because these three are so powerful. We, we model, we monitor, and then we mold. Here's the truth, everybody. If we want our kids to know how to pray, they first have to see it in us. If we want our kids to know how to read God's word, they first have to see it in us. The best way for the environment of our family to change is for us to change. You say, Pastor, well, I'm not really comfortable doing that. Can I I just challenge you today? And I don't want to step too, maybe just, you know, on a couple toes. But but in order for our, our kids to ever see the fullness and greatness of God and who he is, they have to see it flowing through us. And can I tell you, there's going to be times where it's uncomfortable. I'm going to challenge you to invite your kid to pray or to lead the way and say, hey guys, let's pray together as a family. I know that that might be way outside the comfort zone, but I believe God is calling us to lead and model for our families how to follow God. And you know, what? we got to make a decision as parents that, you know, we're not going to just let our kids do what feels good. You know, they don't feel like eating vegetables, but I have a responsibility. God has put me in their life not to just be here to help them feel good. My responsibility is to help lead them towards being good, towards follow. oh, I'm preaching way better than you're shouting this morning. And so here, just like I know the tension that they don't like vegetables, and you know what, I give them space to say, guys, we'll sit here as long as it takes, and I'm gonna help you because I want you to be healthy and grow. There are times when, I'll say, hey, Caden, will you you pray for us? And my bud will look back at me and say, dad, I don't want to pray. Well, I didn't give you an option. You know what I'm saying? This is so awesome. And I'm not being hard and I'm not being mean, but I'm willing to, to embrace the tension that there's sometimes where we don't feel like praying, but that's the best thing for us. And here's why, church. Here's why I'm inviting you and asking you, embrace the tension of spiritual formation in your family because that's the greatest responsibility we have as parents. And here's the deal. I know this about my boy. And hey, you might not feel like doing it right now, but there's gonna come a day where your life is gonna be a mess. There's gonna be struggles. There's gonna be situations in your life that you didn't see coming. And listen, I want you to know how to talk to God. All right, you may not think it's important right now, but when you're 25 and all hell breaks loose in your life, you better know how to get your way to Jesus Christ because he's the one that can change your situation. Amen, amen. And so let's be spiritual leaders. Let's guide, let's mold, let's monitor the health and culture of our family. And number three, let's nurture. Let's nurture. Because here's the deal. Spiritual formation is all about relationship. Spiritual strength in our family is all about relationship. It, it's one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard Andy Stanley say, and it's this is that rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So on one hand, I can say, Caden, I want you to pray, but on the back hand, I'm going, hey buddy. Here's why I ask you to pray. Because I want you to be strong in your faith with God. And I know sometimes it's not comfortable. I know sometimes we don't feel like doing it. But, buddy, I want the best for you. And here's why. Because I love you and I care about you. And one day when you're outside this home, I want you to be spiritually strong and I want you to grow. Because I don't want him. Listen, and I don't want this for your kids at Bay Chapel. I don't want this for my kids at Bay Chapel. I don't want them to think the church is just a bunch of rules, man. If all they get from this place is religion, we have missed it. But dear God, I want them to know a Savior that died on a cross for their sin, that hung his arms wide, that was buried and raised alive so that they could have relationship with a living God who cares about every need in their life. It's about nurture. Look what Proverbs 22 says. Start children off the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it how to build a strong family. I want to go through just three thoughts in the next six to seven minutes. Number one, we place God above everything. We place God above everything. And I think this is a challenge for us in our culture because, oh man, the pace of life. We're busy. It's hard to put God above everything when our priorities are so out of whack, when we're chasing, when we're pursuing. I think it's possessions is another one. We're Man, the shiny thing, it's got our eye. And it keeps us from keeping God first with our time, our talent, our treasure. We're, we're chasing, we're pursuing, we're busy. I think people, sometimes we've allowed unhealthy relationships to keep us from the most important thing in our life. God is first. God is above everything. And I think we have to be willing to make a decision as a family that we're, we're going to tune out the distractions. We're going to tune out the things in our life that are keeping us from what is most important. Now, this week, I'm going to illustrate it for you. This week, we were with Jen's grandparents. Man, they were some of the just fun and and healthy 84-year-olds you'll ever see. I mean, they're just the, the sweetest people. We had a great time eating with them. And it wasn't too long. We had been in the restaurant, sat down. I noticed my grandmother she pulled out this remote control and I thought, this is kind of funny and she's she's playing with it and I thought now it, I don't know she has one of these remote controls you could just take to restaurants and just turn the tv wherever you want this would be really cool it's a great idea I said grandmother what are, what are you doing she said well, this is the remote control for my hearing aid come on man how cool is that she and then my grandfather pulled out a, a, another one and I thought, she's explaining this to me. It's got all these different buttons. She said, yeah, there's, there's all these different settings. And it was a really loud room they were in. And so there's a, there's a setting on the hearing aid that you can hit the button, and it will begin to block out all the rest of the noise from the room. And I thought, how cool will it be as parents? Come on. You're with me, aren't you? a remote control that we could hit a button and it would immediately just drown out the noise of our kids. <laughs> Shark tank, here we come, millionaires, man. But we, this is, let's talk after service and roll with this idea. And I thought, how cool is this? That with a touch of a button, she was immediately able to drown out all the distraction, all the noise. And I think there's times in our life we gotta, you know what? I, I've gotta, I gotta hit, hit pause on some things i got to hit, hit pause on some things that distracting me from putting God first in my life and make sure that, that, you know, Little League Baseball is important and kids' sports are important and all about it. We're doing it as well. I got to make sure that it doesn't keep us from pursuing God and putting him first. And, and every activity and thing that we're involved with, let's make sure we keep God first. Here's what Deuteronomy says. It says, these commandments that I give you today are, are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Put God above everything. And then number two, make a decision to fight for unity, not victory. Fight for unity, not victory. Colossians chapter three says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. Well, some of you just need to underline it, none of this going off and doing your own thing, and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good, common sense. I think it's one of the best ways that we build each other up, that we cultivate thankfulness. It's, it's through this one word. It's praise. It's Praise. It's the communication tool that makes the biggest difference in our life. You know what what praise is? Praise is the the permission slip that lets you into somebody else's world. It's the permission. It's what gives you access into somebody else's space. It's spiritual. You know, everybody, in case you're new to church, one of the reasons you think, man, they always just start off with fast songs, but that's just not like an accident. We do that on purpose. We come to God with praise because we're saying, God, we love you. We celebrate you. And praise opens the door for intimacy in our worship with him. Can I tell you this in our lives and in our marriages, our relationship with our kids, praise is what opens the door for deeper relationship with the people we love the most. It's the permission slip that gives us access. I thought about it. I remember as a senior in high school, we had this homeroom teacher, Ms. Parker. And we, had, we figured Ms. Parker out pretty quick. Ms. Parker, she was close to retirement. She was kind of slowing down and she was getting a little bit soft. And we love Ms. Parker because we learned this is that Ms. Parker loved a good biscuit from McDonald's. That's right. And so if ever you knew that you were going to be late to class on any given morning, all you needed to do was just swing through that drive-thru at McDonald's, get you a nice hot biscuit with some strawberry jam. Let me tell you, Miss Parker would let you in every single day. I mean, come on, just make your way in, Wes. It's okay. It's all right, baby. You're late. Come on. Thank you for the biscuit. Let me tell you in the same way, praise is what opens the door to deeper Intimacy and relationship in our life. Let me tell you the two greatest needs when it comes to unity and deeper relationships with men and women. Men, the greatest need we have is honor. The question that we're asking, ladies, the question every guy is asking is do you respect me? Do you respect me? And in the same way, women, their greatest need is security. Women are asking this, do you believe in me? Do you care about me? And am I safe? Do you believe in me? Do you care about me? And am I safe? And We make this decision in our home that we show honor and respect. We show honor and respect. And I have done it again. I have missed a blank. So if you just go back with me, I know some of you, you're worried, like, oh, my goodness, Wes, what are we going to do? In our home, we fear God and follow his word. Fear God and follow his word. And number three, let's wrap it up with this, this warning. We make a decision to place others above ourselves. Place others above ourselves. Look look what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. So, chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Quiet strength. Discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. Wear love. My goodness, there is a whole sermon right there in those two verses. Here, here's my prayer today. I want want so bad for God to grow our church, and God is growing our church, and He's going to continue doing that. But even more than that, I want God to grow me. I want God to grow me. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better leader. My prayer for you today is that wherever you're at in your relationships, we just make a decision God, grow me. I've been slacking on the job. I've been, I've been delegating that to Miss Kate and kids. God, make our home a place where you love to hang out. <laughs> God, make our home a place where you love to hang out. And as we invite him in, I believe this, he can change and challenge us to be more like him. If you believe this morning, somebody, would you say amen? Amen. I want you to just bow your heads and let's join together.